Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Incredibly fortunate to have these two talented poets with us this evening. Please join me in giving them a warm welcome. So surprise, I'm going to be the MC. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Skylight Books, for having this really beautiful double book launch. Can we give them a hand? Yay. Thank you, Skylight. So for folks in the store, we're going to read some poems about being queer. So join us. Come be gay with us. Um, but also very beautiful, beautiful craft um, in poetry. If you want to know what's happening in poetry right now, come hang out. I'm Vicky Vertis. I'm a very privileged poet to know both of these amazing writers. I was just telling Heidi that we saw each other at a conference recently, and I was like a hot mess because conferences are really overwhelming. But I was telling Heidi, every time I see you, I'm like... Uh, in a panic attack, but then Heidi always has medicine, <laughs> like literally and figuratively, so I'm so glad to be here. Um, uh, so yeah, so our really beautiful poets are going to take turns reading, that they're going to do a round robin, which is a really fun, like dynamic way to uh, read, and then before I introduce them both, I was going to give like a warm-up poem, just in case anybody else walks in late so that they don't have to <laughs> put up with the, the late poems, um, the folks walking in late. So I had this chapbook called Swallows, which I have single-handedly made a reprint. So uh, this is in Rizograph. So uh, yeah, so this is something a little gay <laughs> to start us off with. Um, who had to get on a freeway to get here today? Yeah, oh, what everybody else didn't? You took the streets. Did you ride a bike? That's very fancy. I am very impressed with you. Um, I did not do that. I got in a car. But thank you for coming here because it's things are congested and it's hard. And so we appreciate everyone being here. Uh, this is called Verde. Uh, anybody know what the food for less is? What's the food for less? The food for less duh. supermarket. It's the best one, I think. You were mine once. I held you in my hands, both of us drugged up with email love poems like crinoline, French food, Lorca's Campos Verdes, Verde que te quiero verde. If you were fucked up then, you were good enough to drive me home. Your old lady perfume-scented skin was your first vice. But you forgot your dusty business jacket, which haunted my hallway for weeks. I could smell you in there a dry ice potion slinking to my door. Your well-worn B-cups were above your ribs, where your speeding heart lived and I wanted to. If only our moms could see us now. Two hub cities dikes holding back the waters for 18 million. Put your finger there to stop it from coming and flooding our neighborhood, the food for less, the softball field, my daddy's car. Yay. Okay, good. Nobody walked in late. Um, Keen from, we're going to get a word from our PSA, a PSA from our, our sponsor. Come on up.
awkward. <laughs> okay. We did it. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you all for being here. Uh, uh, in conjunction with Skylight Books, tonight's reading is presented by Kundiman. Kundiman is a national nonprofit organization dedicated to growing and nurturing Asian American literature. Um, our core program is a retreat that happens every summer at Fordham University in New York City. And about 50 Asian American writers kind of gather every year to talk about writing, identity, tarot, food, you name it, anything. You know, we, we can talk about anything there. And uh, Kenji is the, the, the excuse me, the co-chair for the SoCal chapter of Kundiman. I am a junior board member. Um, all the snacks here today are provided by Kundiman. So if you have any questions or just want to grab snacks or whatever, feel free to talk to me. Uh, my name is Keen, by the way, um, or Kenji after the reading. Thank you for being here. Okay, so now for quick introductions. Uh, Heidi. Hmm. Heidi Andrea Restrepo Rhodes was just selected as a Cantamundo Fellow. Yay. That's fancy. That's fancy. Yeah, let's give her a hand. Yeah. Because that shit is hard. I'm still not a Cantamundo Fellow. Don't tell anyone. Heidi is a queer, mixed-race, Latinx, second-generation Colombian immigrant, poet, artist, scholar, and activist. A 2018 Voices of Our Nation's Arts alum, her poetry has been published in As Us, Pank, Raspa, Word Riot, Feminist Studies, Wisache, and Right Bloody, among many places. Born in Arizona and raised in California, she currently lives in Brooklyn. Yay. Kenji C. Liu is author of Map of an Onion, national winner of the 2015 Hillary Gravendike Prize. His poetry is in the American Poetry Review, Action Yes, Apogee, Barrow Street, The Feminist Wire, The Progressive, The Rumpus, The Volta, Split This Rock's Poem of the Week series, and many anthologies and two chapbooks. A Kundiman Fellow and alumnus of Vona, the Jurassic Resident Artist Program, and the Community of Writers. He lives in Los Angeles. He's also a member of the Miresa Speakers Bureau Collective. Come on up, poets. Okay, so we're gonna read uh, poems one for one instead of just one person going for a while and the second person going for a while and hopefully some kind of interesting synergy will build up kind of like you know a DJ playing one record after another. Or if it's a bad DJ, it'll be a train wreck. <laughs> uh, we didn't decide who was gonna go first. Wanna like we didn't, rock, but paper, I have, scissors? I have one that that I feel like works as a kind okay. of invitation to the audience. Um, I Part of what for me feels important to sort of preface the book with and my reading is that um, this collection for me is both an exploration of ancestral inheritance as well as what we inherit collectively just by being in the world and what we're accountable to um, by that being in the world. Um, so this is an excerpt from what the bird has seen, and I read it as an invitation into the reading. And this is what the bird has seen from the sky, from the spires of holy architectures, from unshuttered window sills, the brows of old and daunted trees. She proffers her testimony, but who can decipher 
her warble whistle, unnerved and quivering as it bounces in spurts off these rubbled walls into the throng of disoriented ghosts, bewildered shadows crowding the streets. All right, so let me preface by saying that this book, um, the construction of this book is, a lot of the poems in this book is through a special method that I call Frankenstein poetry, or Frankenpo for short, since we always say Poe instead of poetry. Um, and it's similar to a cut up or an erasure, but it takes uh, source texts, it could be anything, articles, speeches, movies, etc., and it puts them through a process that I pretty much liken to taxidermy, where you, you, know, you take parts from different places and you put them together and turn them into a whole new monster, or a whole new beast. Uh, that's the Frankenstein reference. And uh, so much of the book is about masculinity. So I just want to acknowledge that uh, I would not have been able to really write a lot of this po uh, book or uh, conceptualize a lot of this book without uh, the benefit of the many uh, feminist and queer thinkers and communities that I've been privileged to be part of and friends with. Uh, so I just wanted to acknowledge that first of all. Um, so with that, I'll read the one that's actually about Frankenstein, which is itself a Franken-Poe or a Frankenstein poem. Um, and it's basically a mixture of two source texts. Let me see if I can even find it. Oh, here we go. So this, this poem is a mix between two source texts. One, which is the, um, the actual Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And it's mixed with an essay called Hypermasculinity and Violence as a Social System. So every word in the poems that are Frankenstein poems comes from these original texts. Now I know what it's like. And it starts with a quote from Dr. Frankenstein. I knew now that I had to make another monster. His interminable body harbored hidden men, bomb gallantries, warfare cognates. The crucial interior, numbed to turn the curse of affect, thought modification with unending character limits, a vessel of spinning, obliquely propelled man-fears and want passengers, sad monsters of all broke states, his compulsive nation of narcissistic guns, grief men shooting home, wars of syndicated motion threading across a slowly enormous realm. That night, I ran everyone wrong. I told the monster that I would make a wife for him, even with centuries of variant hypergenders, a hundred gender chances, I dreamed too ugly. My man components loyal to a freaked system of father loops, body through all, the lust economy carcassing mercilessly, this need for mechanisms, for, na for national monster workshops that shake graves. When I made the first creature, I didn't know how it would turn out a knowledge machine of silent man-children, the dead gazing back, and I, their creature. The other side. This wall of bones, 
chapel of memory ossified, stacked femur columns, the oblivion of gold in the crevices of teeth, skeletal arches, metacarpal daisies and mud, ghosts whispering appellations forgotten, last spoken in the wind of long ago midnights or yesterday, the delicacy of skin, muscle, tendons, frailty of bodies rent under the edges of occupation, tired resistance, future rage coded into the chromosomes of our birthing. Tonight, I weep for the children who were my cousins, grandmothers, 500 years old, stacked into the pillars of churches to fortify mud and straw, sheltering priests and kings from the torrent of jungle rain and the violent morning wax palm canopies. Tonight, I stand how many thousands of miles away, across borders, distant geographies, the other side of our wayward memory, the other side of hells you lived, the other side of bone walls, ghosts breathing onomastic tales, wailing grief, the bitterness of broken ribs. I kiss your lips and remember their names, there too. Your teeth room the chronicling of violence of your grandmothers, of genocides, cracked sidewalks, skulls, split lips, of today's antagonisms, and all the contempt of righteous boots, fists. There, in a kiss, we scale the wall of bones, we scale our own teeth, facing our dismemberments through mnemonic histories. There, in the crevices of concrete, from ash, from wreckage, from the wreckage of centuries, small yellow flowers, bougainvilleas blanketing stone, arias of freedom. We scale the ache to bloom home. Lisa, a Frankenstein poem combining texts of presidential executive orders 13769 and 13780, otherwise known as protecting the nation from foreign terrorist entry into the United States, with Octavia Butler's The Books of the Living, verses 1 through 66, and a Buddhist sutra, Reflection on the Repulsiveness of the Body. Visa. One, dear love, I have arrived in the national hair. Already, my prey nerves are in the burn of growth, the ongoing build of God mucus. Everywhere, government-sponsored fanaticism, multiple acts of teeth. Our love, in a time of inappropriations, of malicious inadmissibility. The understate swarms our documents, our lungs. Two, dear proclamation, how many statutory galaxies in a single body my internal shape hemmed in by procedural plura. I am a subsection of light drowning in a fiscal country where case by case life remains in the shape of a prayer. Three, dear disaster, today I was a swarm border, a spleen of biometric information, pliable synovial data. I was daylight in an embassy of flesh in bones, fat, the gift immigrants of us. Water asks for reciprocity. Here we reign everything. Four, thus have I heard. We are visas in a national drowning. Each of us an executive decision pursuant to clay.
each a subsection of protocol and yet. Memoranda, I am a train-like country vetting the president of his terrorist shape. Um, this next piece, where am I? Okay. This next piece is called Imbunche, and um, this is one of the pieces I thought is just interesting to put into conversation with your work, Kenji. Um, the Imbunche is a tale from Chile about uh, a, a, ch a child that a wizard kidnaps and basically disfigures into something, a sort of monster that's unrecognizable um, to keep it enslaved for its service. Um, and the artist Catalina Parra, in, I believe it was in the 1970s, did a whole art series reimagining the Imbunche child figure as a victim of the dictatorship. So this is Imbunche, after Catalina Parra. You've heard the tales of the child, the child, the child, taken in the night. Lips sewn shut with sinew of cattle under fluorescent glow, authoritarian sorceries, fire of interrogation lamps, impunity, incantations demanding silence beneath arms broken and bound, bones relinquishing testimony under the spell of the hammer. You've heard they damned orifices of the crying, suturing senses into silence, slicing the tongue, confining its stories to cavities between the teeth, to blinding darkness, forced erasures, sculpting the obscene bird of night. Like paper snowflakes dyed in mute blood, the secrecy of hemoglobin dried on the floors of torture centers fashioned from schools. These cursed caves inhabited by crowns, woven filaments turned silver in a day by the alchemies of unbridled governance. You've heard the tale of the child who was taken in the night, 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 fed flesh of babies, milk transfigured from human ground into underworld of the beast, beaten by the sacralization of brutality, regimes of forgetting under years, transformation under abuse, and the exile of memory under the sinister magic of despotism. You've heard the stanzas of Brujo Dictatoris feeding off the abominable. You've heard the conjurings, citizens who wept for the nameless, the mother who named the missing, the missing, <clears throat> the missing whose protests struck the public ear, then disappeared like lightning, the nameless who gagged on their future beneath the soil of unmarked graves, the supplications for regard from a world bustling with magpies and the architects who knew the refutations, denunciations of their crimes would only be quieted and quit by removing the heart, cutting off the head of the child beast Imbunche and calling it demon. Yeah, one thing I appreciate about both of our collections is that there's an element of monstrosity to both as we've been discussing um, outside of here. One, we have haunting and then we have monsters. <laughs> um, let's see, I just had something. All right. 
This next one is also a Frankenstein poem. And it combines um, dialogue from Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon uh, screenplay with US presidential executive order 9066 from 1942, which is the executive order that allowed Japanese Americans to be interned. And um, this one's called Notorious Rain. And just a little background, if you remember the movie Rashomon, who here has seen Rashomon? Okay, so who's, who's the, the famous, very handsome Japanese actor in, in the movie? No, that's the director. Mifune Toshiro, yeah. So I did a little research about uh, Toshiro-san, and um, it turned out he was born in Manchuria um, when Japan had occupied China. And he was part of the Japanese army, a part of the occupying army. So I thought that was a very interesting piece of information. So um, this is Notorious Rain. Mifune Toshiro and Manchukuo, which is the Japanese word for Manchuria. Why weren't we told the rain would trample our darkening fields? To the disaster, there's only wind to testify. How do the dead say, this ruined temple is my body? Their docile leathers are drunk with the eyes of insects. In the vested woods, one of us is horse, a war heart crossing the mist, an espionage. Is August not a famine, December not a rope? Washi ga, washi no kokoro ga wakaranai? I, I don't understand my own soul. In upstream, our national defense a crying kimono with eight eyes, a six-faced priest. Why does the Secretary of Bodies authorize such lavish feathers? Wakanai, sappari wakanai. I don't understand. I just don't understand. We crouch with terrible faith, an enemy beautiful. In the last 10 years before my grandfather died, I spent quite a bit of time um, sitting with him and asking him for his stories. He lived through La Violencia in Colombia, which is one of the most violent periods. Um, he saw Gaitan speak. Gaitan was a populist leader whose assassination was um, kind of started La Violencia in a way. Um, and I would ask him for all these stories of just like, what has it been to live your whole life in this country that has been sort of perpetually in conflict? And he never wanted to talk about that. His stories he wanted to tell were about how in love he was with my grandmother. Um, so this is a poem for him called The Flower Husband, partly arising out of some of those conversations. Abuela's ghost breathes, azalea plant, veins reaching, pocket of sunlight that catches the wall in early afternoons while babies sleep to songs of venderos out in the street, selling wishes. And aguacate, aguacate, 
Abuelo still tends to it 13 years after she, gone, quenches its morning's scent of coffee, arepas wafting near windows, brings delight, memories of children running barefoot through the halls, the banter and wisecracks of siblings, the softly swaying to boleros, close enough to hear a belly's quiet rumble. Shows me faded photographs from his closet, a cache of angels he keeps under lock and key, dutiful steward of reminiscences, his brother who disappeared during La Violencia, my cousin who drowned despite the boating and auger that grazed our sleep, and there his true love, unaltered grace, held between his fingers, enamored still. First moment, beauty ravished his equilibrium, his ballast in the boundless night. Grown blind from the weathering of years, his eyes sparkle for her, moon on broken glass and azalea still blooms, a single, once a year comes spring, clockwork and when, he bends to inhale fragrant poems, summon his yearning, tips the quiet into his ears, catch a milky whisper, brushing lip to petal, renewing his vows, devoted flower husband. How she flourishes beneath his cheek, redolent joy of yesterdays, and I wonder when his time comes, whither, will the last blossom fall, or will there too where once one, radiant, unfurled its secrets for her lover's flesh? Portrait of Grandfather as a Cowboy. Um, so as I was doing research for this book, um, I, I googled a certain term because somebody, uh, after my first books, I was, after my first book I was asking, well how do I proceed on to the second book? And the advice I got was um, take something from the first book that still has some kind of juice for you and go dive into that, that idea. So. The idea that I dove into was this concept of uh, cowboy theme parks. So I did a little Googling and all kinds of fascinating stuff came up. Um, and one of the most fascinating things was a cowboy theme park in Japan, which was abandoned after Disney moved into Japan. Um, and so there was this abandoned cowboy theme park in Japan and it's just as creepy as you would think. Um, and, you know, animatronic, um, who's that famous act, John Wayne, animatronic John Wayne with uh, like hydraulics exposed in his stomach and his like skin peeling off of his head and his <laughs> cowboy hat and stuff like that. Um, but what was fascinating, which is related to this poem, is that in, the, in this Western theme park, there was a fake US-Mexico border. Hmm. And apparently you could go across the border and look back at the quote unquote US from the Mexican side. And on the US side, there were American flags set up with targets on them. And from the Mexican side, you could take BB guns and shoot at the targets on the American <laughs> side. So this is portrait of grandfather as a cowboy. Western Village Haikyo, Tochigi, Japan. You aim at the national sky, say you don't suffer. Beyond ripe, you puff away days in a saloon, 
seated before a persimmon. Summer, we fly thousands of miles to be your cigarette. Your six-cylinder heart blows and blasts, eyes and neck a stutter, a moon-crazed owl. Drawl in, Jap in lazy Japanese, Charuzu, Elvisu, Kurington, Marilyn, that's Charles Elvis Clinton, Maryland. Littering the air with carbon and menthol flitter, the animatronic flag, salute, America's ghost in your exposed hydraulics and fields of rock-headed presidents, a republic of bees under the scalp. I love that line, that last line. Um, how many or, more? Two or three more? I don't know. Two okay. or three more rounds? Okay. Maybe two more? Okay, two. <laughs> um, some of my ancestors were miners in the mountains of Colombia, and then through my human rights research, I've also worked with communities that are dealing with contemporary mining issues, um, with transnational companies coming in and colluding with paramilitaries to forcibly displace people, to massacre people, to take that land for profit, for extraction, extractivism. Um, this poem doesn't get into all of that, but part of what I'm Part of what I was thinking through this poem is sort of the affective possibilities of how a day um, lives in the body at the end of the day, particularly thinking about the contrast between um, what it is to have access to one's own ancestral mining practices as sustainable practices and then being forced into this wage economy in the mining, in the transnational mining projects. Um, so this is really just, I don't know, an experiment in affect, I suppose. If I wear my hair this way, Miha, if I wear my hair wrapped in a bun this way like a cyclops full moon or the tidy nest of a colibri, it means the day was long in grave caverns. It means I spent the hours eating mud, scouring the under earth for light and glimmer. It means my blistered feet will ache by the fire and I will have no words for you tonight. Pero mija, if you see my hair let loose, suelto, unleashed, like a crown of wild spiral crows or a fishing net full of flying sable salmon, it means the hours passed while I panned in the shallow edges of a cool spring, gazing into the batea. It means your smile came to me, a glistening sun in the silver sifting plate. It means tonight I will knit my arms around you. I will open my, my ears to your monsoon of questions. I will sing you the holy songs of trees. Ritual Against Toxic Masculinity. Entitled as I am to sugar and overflowing milk, I am also a collector of distress. Even on paper, my phylum is overrated. Did I arrive here singing or insinuating? Everyone burns, so this is not a condemnation of labor. By bending into a barb, 
I learned to be a man. In order to violate a blueprint, conspire to speed fatal mitosis. Water, muscle, berry, shell bone. While the filial vessel sleeps, I shake 50 men until they secrete a sweet keening. We rub antennae and soak, ready for release. On the right bodies, holy water will burn. So this is my last poem for the evening. Um, I also didn't say thank you for being here, <laughs> but thank you for being here, for coming out, and thank you Skylight Books um, and Kenji and Vicky. So this is prayer for the children who will be born with today's daggers in their tomorrow eyes. These 500 years in our bones, striated conquistas dragging the letters of the harrowed tongue into the geography of our marrow, down, down, these armas in the arms of little, dragging blood across the pupil, dilating moon shadow, breathing in history with light, portraits of departed hearts, singing streets, the greed under the floorboards, libraries of the broken, amassing names we carve, unpredictable weather patterns leaving splinters where our mother's houses once stood, rotten mountains of perfect food rustled up in the company of flies and madness, empty oceans, homeless starfish, the severing of limbs, trees, human fists like thunder and vacant motherhoods grasping at apparitions. And we, we puncture the words we are teaching you with every revelation, every bit, every chain we have failed to release and burn. We perforate the dawn before it even knows it has skin. So take this palm, this love, this fire hunger, see what second sight will sigh in your winding direction, unpeel your soot-stained eyelids from the corpse parade and run it through, run it through, find the tomorrow we could not give you. So I'm gonna end <clears throat> on kind of a fun note, but I would like your opinion, unicorns or prince? <laughs> no contest. <laughs> that should have been like a shocky. You're not allowed to vote. All right, Prince. This is a Frankenstein poem composed entirely uh, from the screenplay of Purple Rain. Descending throttle early, savagely, Frankenpoe for Prince. He's a beautiful bird again, desperately funk, tornado gorgeous, heart thick with furious glide, and me, his dessert. A conspiring body of heavy love, a whole dusk package. He sits and moistens a ripeness in him, Glisten, he rises, a burning of bites and roses, a flushed, trembling hollow across his lush. See his national pouty lip, a skin-tight, slightly welling back door, swinging all piano-wide. His bikini simmers, his cheeks jump, honey face staring wickedly over lustrous flower shoulder. 
He crushes my diamonds, stains my quiver on the spot. I muzzle his leopard face. The night furrows its savage purple coat, waters my sleeping moonlight Cadillac. Drowning looks like light, a meaningless swim. Here, lustrous racked chrome, passport of spandex lips. His pompadour bird plunging into my wild Minnetonka. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.